Greetings and welcome to the Mount Calvary Nation podcast hosted by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio, where our pastor is the Reverend S.N. Winston Jr. We thank you for joining us and hope that this episode blesses you. And family and friends, praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. His word says, be glad and rejoice in it. And we rejoice knowing that he's our God. There is nothing we need that he does not supply. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Amen. Amen. My scripture this morning will be coming from Psalms 100. And if you are able to stand for the reading of God's word, would you do so, please? So Psalms of Thanksgiving. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us and not we are his. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastor. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Amen to the reading of the word of God. Dear gracious heavenly father, we thank you Lord for another time we get to come together and worship you in spirit and truth. Heavenly father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love that you give us unconditionally, Lord. And we thank you, God, for your son, Jesus. For it is through Jesus that we are reconciled to you. God, we've come here today. We design a service. But Lord, have your way with it today, Father God. Let your spirit run free here today. Lord, bless the participants that will be serving today, Lord God. Bless the man of God that will bring the word. Open our ears and our hearts that we may hear and retain, Father God. And oh, yes, Lord, bless our shepherd, Pastor Sam Winston Jr., Father God. Bless him, Father God, and his family this morning, Lord God. We thank you for him, Lord God. We thank you for the 17 years he shepherded over this flock, Father God. So, Lord, have your way today, Lord God. I pray in the matchless name of him who gave his life on the cross for our salvation, Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, say hallelujah to the Lord. Come on, say hallelujah to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you just lift up your hands to Jesus today? Focus on him for a moment. And just tell him how thankful you are, how wonderful he is. He's such an awesome God. You're a mighty God. We lift up your name, oh God. Oh, my God is awesome. He can move mountains, keep me in the valley, hide me from the rain. My God is awesome. He heals me when I'm broken. Strength where I've been. 
forever he will reign. Say, my God is awesome. My God is awesome. He can move mountains. Come on, sing it. Keep me in the valley of death. Hide me from the rain. Oh, my God is all. 
this we often forget, and all what needless pain we bear, it's all, all because we do not care, carry. you just give it to him he'll carry it for you oh everything to God in prayer we will give it to you Lord it's all because we do not care everything to God in prayer now if you just lift up your hands and just give it to the Lord today He's such an awesome God. Hallelujah. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Has he been your friend? What a friend we have in Jesus. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah.
your testimony will you give him some kind of praise God is everything he is my all in all what a wonderful savior we serve let everybody that's breathing give him some kind give him some kind of praise we don't all have to do the same thing but everybody breathing ought to do something to tell the Lord thank you hallelujah wonderful savior grace to you and peace from God our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ thank you you may be seated Thank you, praise team, for that reminder. We agree. <laughs> God is everything. Everything. If you're able... Would you just slip your hands up to him and tell him how you feel about him? Just tell him how you feel about him. Who has he been to you? What has he done? Just tell him how you feel about him. Rehearse what you know about him. wonderful Savior we serve. What a wonderful Savior we serve. God bless you. Um, I'm going to get up right now and, and say a few things and, uh, and get out of the way. Uh, Pastor Bradfield and whoever else, y'all got it from here. Um, but I do want to welcome you into the sanctuary, those who are here. Uh, welcome into this house of worship. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us. We don't take it lightly. Uh, whether you're a member of Mount Calvary or not a member, we're just glad you're here in the building. And to those who are watching, who are worshiping with us virtually, the majority of people are still worshiping with us uh, virtually online. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us. We're grateful to God for the technology that allows us to be together. And we're grateful for the people behind the technology who make it possible for us to worship together virtually each week. Um, we're doing the welcome song, is that right? All right, let's do it. Come on, y'all help me out.
Come on, let's welcome those who are here and those who are watching. Come on. We welcome you into Mount Calvary, this house of worship. So glad you came, exalt his name, let's lift him up together. Thank God we're here from far and near, the Lord has brought us this far. And with the love of Christ we are transforming us. Revealing the glory of God's Revealing kingdom. special guest today. I'm going to let Pastor Bradfield tell you about him in just a moment, uh, but let me make just a couple of observations and I'll get out of the way. Layla Scott, stand dear lady, I saw you somewhere out of the norm. Yep, your dad sent it in. Let me see, Layla, you are a junior, is that correct? At the Walter E. Stebbins High School and uh, I'm holding a letter that says, Dear Layla Scott, congratulations. You have been selected for membership in the Walter E. Stebbins High School chapter of the National Honor Society for the 2021-22 school year. God bless you, Miss Layla. Where's your family, hon? Proud, proud. Congrats. If you are a family in need, the Marines Toys for Tots program is now accepting applications for any families who are in need during the Christmas season. Uh, just go on to the website um, to do that. And I don't have the web address in front of me. Um, say, it's Toys for Tots? All right, good. Thank you. Just a reminder that in a couple of weeks, the Ohio Baptist General Convention is coming up. Um, I just got noticed this morning that the, uh, the Leon Troy Presidential Banquet is officially sold out. There are no more tickets available uh, for the Presidential Banquet. I think that's a first in history. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the OBGC yet. So prayerfully, you got one of the tickets, and I'll see you there. Um, Next Monday, the 10th, uh, don't forget that um, next Monday is the 11th. Thank you. Hold on just a moment here. I've got something for that Sunday, too. I promise I'm going to get out of your way in just a moment. Let me see. Now, next Sunday night, the convention opens with the opening musical at 7 o'clock at Shiloh. Um, if you want to be a part of the opening musical, let me see. Rehearsals are going to be this Thursday and Friday at 6.30. This Thursday and Friday at 6.30. Thursday at Mount Enon on 3rd Street. Friday at Shiloh on Fairbanks Avenue. If you want to be a part of the opening musical choir um, next Sunday night. Thursday at Mount Enon, Friday at Shiloh, both at 6.30. The concert is going to be at 7 o'clock 
uh, next Sunday night at the Shiloh Church. And then uh, there will be uh, services Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday uh, all day at Shiloh, uh, with the exception of the banquet, which is going to be at Mount Enon on Tuesday night. I do want you to set aside uh, Wednesday night, if you would. I'll be giving uh, my presidential address on that Wednesday night, that is Wednesday the 13th, and that will close out the convention, and I would sure love to, uh, to see Shiloh full of Mount Calvary people. Um, it'll, it'll just make me a little more comfortable to see some home faces there at Shiloh Wednesday night, next Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, all right? If you have any questions about OBGC, you can call the church office. They will be glad to assist you. Don't forget the uh, diaper and wipe drive that the Women's Auxiliary is sponsoring. Uh, Lady Chanel is, um, is spearheading that it, with her initiative uh, over the four years that I'll be president. Um, the initiative is um, Infant Vitality, Infant Vitality. And, uh, and so this year, the women of the OBGC are collecting diapers and wipes. We'll collect as many as we can and give out as many as we can uh, to help young mothers. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much. Pastor Bradfield, you got it. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's bless the name of Jesus. No, we can do a little bit better than that. Let's put our hands together. Let's bless the name of Jesus. Let me take, before I do perform the assignment I'm here for, a point of privilege. Uh, today is a day that has been set aside for the Mount Calvary Nation to honor our leadership and the first family. What an awesome, awesome, awesome leader the Mount Calvary Nation has. No, I said what an awesome, awesome leader the Mount Calvary Nation has in the person of none other than Pastor Samuel Nathaniel Winston, Jr., God be the glory for the things that he has done. Uh, let me say to you publicly, you know I love you more than words can ever express. Um, you know that I am eternally grateful that God allowed me to know that I needed to submit to your leadership. You know that I believe with all of my heart that I don't believe but by the grace of God and your leadership that I and the Resurrection Baptist Church family would be where we are had it not been for your leadership, your support. Because I discovered that when the Lord told me to submit to you, he also allowed you to share them with us and that is a relationship as you put it 
that is not to be compared. Um, in a day and age in which we know you, you are not the pastoral appreciation, the pomp and circumstance, but let me just say to you, they that preach the gospel must live by the gospel. Thank you for being an excellent example of leadership for us. Lastly, let me say thank you for being a mirror of God's love to your family. It is reflective in more ways than I don't know that you will ever know. Um, there are many lives, there are many relationships, there are many um, there are many believers, their lives are going to be touched, and you and I will never know them because all you're trying to do is serve the Lord. Again, thank you. Can we bless God for our pastor and, and elect Lady Chanel and the Winston family? It is my privilege to have the opportunity to introduce our, our preacher today. He is uh, no stranger throughout this the state of Ohio. Sorry, y'all. I was supposed to mention my wife and children, they are on the way. Um, my wife had some preteen hair struggles this morning, but they are on the way. When they walk in, just make them feel good, would you? Amen. <laughs> Our preacher for the day none other than Pastor Keith Troy the pastor of the New Salem Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio Pastor Troy has served there for 38 years I am, I've had the privilege of, of watching his ministry and I had read his bio was going to give you a lot of information uh, he is a graduate of Morehouse College. Uh, he is married, uh, lovely family, uh, but most of all, he is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ that serves God, serves his people, and serves his community. Uh, we are excited to hear from him today. We are excited. We are excited. We are excited to hear the word of the Lord on today. Will you do me a favor? Will you stand to your feet as we receive the men of God? None other than the pastor, Keith Troy, pastor of New Salem Baptist Church of Columbus, Ohio. Let's give him a great Mount Calvary welcome. Come on. Dr. Troy.
certainly let me give you God's blessing and grateful to be in your house this morning to your distinguished pastor and our state president. I'm smiling because this is the first time in 18 months I've seen this many people. So, so y'all don't mind if I just absorb this for a minute, do you? We've been having service virtually now for 18 months. And the best I have seen is my praise and worship team and those who record the service. I don't mind to tell you, it feels good to see some folk. You can say show you right if you want to uh, in terms of those kind of things. And so I'm grateful to be here with you in terms of that. Come on and let's celebrate our first lady and her children. Amen. Sister Winston, good to see you this morning. We bring you greetings from my bride. Uh, I was smiling. I always knew Pastor Winston was smart, but he was brilliant with the adjustment he made to give the explanation so that he can go home in peace today. Amen. I've been married 46 years. You have to make those adjustments uh, and have peace at home if you don't have peace anywhere else. Amen. So let's celebrate the first family. Let's celebrate the first family. I don't think you heard me. Let's celebrate the first family. Your pastor and I both are preacher's children. And so we know, <laughs> we know stuff we shouldn't know, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, and we love church folk in spite of the fact that we preach as kids. Amen. And both our fathers are state presidents and all those kinds of things. So I have watched your pastor um, grow up in this. And he is certainly a credit to this church and to the legacy of his father and to the legacy of this church family. And you ought to celebrate that. I am blessed this morning to have one of my three brothers traveling with me. My brother Adam Troy is to my left, your right, A.T., would you please stand? Um, in the Troy quadrant, we are the two middle, middle children. And middle children have a tendency to stick together. Those of y'all who are middle children, I'll say amen. Because you know you had to pray for the oldest and the youngest. Y'all can be truthful this morning. Y'all can relax. It's on me now. Yeah, 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 it's on me. Amen. Amen. We want to get to the task at hand. Um, it is interesting today, Pastor Winston, that 38 years ago, this was my first Sunday at New Salem. And so the irony of being with another pastor celebrating his anniversary on the day that we normally would have done this was a God move. Because uh, when I first got the date, I said, well, you know, I'm not usually gone on first Sundays. I'm not usually gone on first Sundays. That's an old Baptist thing. You ain't allowed to be gone on first Sundays. The Lord comes on first Sunday. If he don't come no other Sunday, he shows up and the Holy Spirit comes on first Sunday. But it was your anniversary. It was the president's anniversary. But more importantly, somebody I respect. So when I shared with my wife that I was going somewhere to preach, she said, and when you ran that past me, what was it I said? I said, dear, this is a special occasion. Because for the last 18 months, most of us who have had the pastor have spent time pastoring our people. 
not ripping and running all over the country, not doing all the things that we normally would do. We've been shut down, but we've been shut in to make sure we could look after the folks that God assigned us to. And you ought to celebrate the fact that your pastor has never neglected you regardless of what we found ourselves in. Amen? May bow heads in word of prayer. Thank you, God. For a moment, we didn't sign up for. Didn't see it coming. But you opened up the door. Now, we decrease. God, if necessary, let us disappear so that all your folk could really hear. It's a word from you. We come to celebrate this manservant and his spouse and his children, along with this church family, this other partnership, this other marriage. Give us a word for both parties. We ask in your son's name, amen. I was wondering why something didn't look right. I forgot to put my glasses on now. See, y'all look so much better now, I'm trying to tell you. I want to talk this morning about learning to trust God. <clears throat> learning to trust God. If we haven't learned anything else during this pandemic, I hope it would be that the Lord will make a way somehow. I'm not as saved as some of you, and I'm not as churchy as some of you, so I could admit some of my stuff. There's been some times during this pandemic where I really wondered how this thing was going to play out. I really had my doubts. I really had my concerns. I really had to struggle sometimes because when you sit in our seats, people don't think that we have faith struggles, and yet you do. When you're burying folk who you love, who've been with you 37 years, all because of a virus you can't see, you have some faith struggles. When the Lord seems to take folk that you count on, and if it just has to take some folks, all of us keep a list. Some of y'all get that when you get home. And you really want to say, Lord, leave that one here. But, but you struggle with this thing. When you can't understand why it affects some and doesn't affect others and, and all the things that you struggle, and yet your people are looking to you for hope and inspiration and to be the faith person. So what do you do, Pastor Winston, when your faith is wavering? When, when you are struggling? When it's not howdy-howdy and it's not every day or Sunday? You got your own issues. So this morning I want to talk about learning to trust God. Repeatedly in scripture, the Bible says that God has promised to meet our needs, emotional needs, financial needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, relational needs. Every need in your and my life, God has promised to meet. In fact, one of the Hebrew names of God is Jehovah Jireh, which means I am the God who provides for you. If I was in church, y'all would have got a bigger response. I am the God who provides for you. Over and over again, God says, I will meet all your needs. So one of the promises he gives all of us is found in Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all that you need from his glorious resources 
in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a pretty blanket statement. He says, I'll meet all your needs. So I got to raise a question here. What does that include? Everything. There's not any need I have that God says he cannot meet. Let me get it again. There's not any need that I have that God says I cannot meet. Let me talk to y'all because they ain't got it. There's not any meat that I have, not any need at all that I have that God cannot meet. But here's the challenge. Here's the problem. You look around, and obviously, everybody's need is not met. In reality, many times, our needs seem to go unmet. So what's the challenge? Is God lying? Did God exaggerate the point? Is he just saying something that sounds real nice but isn't true? Why is it that sometimes my needs seem to go unmet? The Bible tells us that with every promise, there's a condition. There is a premise with every promise. So, so one of the conditions for this promise is that you and I have to trust God. And what I've discovered, the more you trust God, the more God is able to meet needs in your life. The less you trust God, the fewer needs he's able to meet in your life. Here's what the Bible says in, in Matthew 9, 29. It's, it's involved in a faith factor. Here's what it says. According huh, to your faith, it will be done unto you. So let me translate that and see if I can't update it. In other words, here's what God says to you and me. You get to choose how much I bless you. So whether or not I'm blessed fully is totally dependent upon my faith. Huh. It's according to your faith. Huh. It's according to your faith. The more you trust me, the more needs I can meet. The less you trust me, the fewer needs I can meet. So, so it raises an obvious question here. Then how can I learn to trust God more so he can meet all my needs? How, how can I learn during this pandemic to have greater faith? Because faith, faith is an interesting substance. You don't get faith by coming to Bible study. You don't get it by just talking about it. You don't get it by just thinking and hoping and wishing. Faith is like a muscle, Pastor Winston. That, that, that means it develops by being used. The, the more you use a muscle, the, the stronger it gets. Uh, the, the more you use the little faith that you've got, the more it gets stretched. And, and the more it gets stretched, the more God is able to bless your life. So, so maybe the reason I'm not living fully and being blessed is because I got a muscle problem. I'm refusing to work out in the Lord. I, I, I decided during this pandemic to, to get bad, bad, try to get back in shape. Notice I said try. The best thing about getting in shape is not get out of it. Because to try to get back in it reminds you some stuff don't move like it used to move. And you are better in your memory than in your reality. We call the circumstances that God creates to stretch our faith trials. 
And the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 7, I know this is a Bible teaching and believing church, these trials are only to test your faith to show that it is strong and pure. Wait a minute. So the reason I have trials, God is testing my faith. And the Bible tells us that like fire when heat is on, it purifies gold and silver, that God tests our heart by putting us under the heat, those fiery trials of life. So, so this morning, quickly, I, I want to look at just four common trials you're going to go through. Okay, who you are, just four of them. Somebody, just the person next to you, just four. Just, just four tests you're going to go through. Here's the first test. The first test is what I call the pressure test. Pressure test. How will I handle stress? Now, if this pandemic hadn't done anything else, it has created stress. W will I depend on myself or will I depend on God? Will I turn to other things or will I turn to God? Psalms 50, verse 15 says, I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you and you can give me glory. God says, I want you to turn to me when you're in trouble, not to other things. So we've been together for about 10 minutes now, so let me ask you something personal. Do we do that? No. We usually have God about number nine or ten on our list. We turn to everything else first to relieve stress before we turn to God. Now, now I don't know about Mount Campbell, but let me talk about the New Salem Church. Some of you could say, when I get under stress, I know what I need. I just need one of those little pills. I go to my medicine cabinet, get the little pill, and then I won't be stressed. But that doesn't last. I, I know what I do. I, I, I'm all tense and nervous. I'm stressed out about my problem. I'll call a friend and complain about my problem. You call a friend and talk on the phone and complain about the stress in your life. Hang up and you're still under stress. I, I know what I'll do. I, I, I'll just get me some nachos. So, so you get some nachos and you put them in the microwave, put some cheese on them. You eat all them up and then your tummy's full, but you still have the same problem you had before. You're still stressed. I, I know what I'll do. I'll just go shopping. When it gets tough, the tough go shopping. Or if you a guy, I know what I'll do. I'll sit down and watch TV all Saturday and Sunday. I'll work it out somehow. We've all got our own little stress relievers. And along about the ninth or tenth thing, here comes God. God says, I want you to turn to me. When you're under stress, this is a test. You have a legitimate needs in your life that needs to be met. The problem is we get in a hurry. If God doesn't instantly meet that need, we make up our own plan. We try to meet our own needs ourselves. We do it all the time. We short-circuit God's will, God's blessing in our life by going for a quick fix, the cheap thrill, the instant hit, the quick relief. That's temporary, a little temporary fix. And we do it all the time. We don't know how to wait for God's will in our lives. Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have done two evils. They have turned away from me the spring of living water and they've dug their own wells which are broken wells and cannot hold water. Now, now imagine now. We're, we're walking through the desert for two days. There's no water. There's no shade. Our throat is parched. We're dying of thirst. Your tongue then got thick. You think you're going to die if you don't get some water. And you come over a sand dune 
after a couple days, and you see this roadside stand with the big neon sign pointing down, down God's free, unlimited, everlasting, fulfilling living water. But do you walk up and ask for a drink? No. You walk right on past and say to the man standing there, can I borrow a shovel? And you start digging your own well. You're going to get your own water your way. Even worse than this, we have the audacity that as we're digging the well to stop and ask God to bless our well. Have you ever done that? Sure we have. You go out and get into some relationship, you know it's wrong, and then you pray, God bless this relationship, which he didn't ordain in the first place. I didn't got close now, huh? Or, or you go out and buy things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like, and you go get overextended credit and deeply in debt, and then come back and say, God bless my finances. You, 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 you try to turn desire into need. God didn't promise to bless your desires. You got overextended with things you didn't need, didn't pray, bless my fine. We do it all the time. But it's not new. Abraham, come here. Abraham was promised a child, a son, who would be the father of a great nation. As Abraham gets older, nothing happens. No kids. His wife was infertile, so he thinks, I I'm going to do my I'm gonna dig my own well. I'll make my own plan. I'll take matters into my own hands. He took Sarah's handmaiden, her servant girl, had a girl, had a child through her, had God, got pregnant, had a baby, then named him Ishmael, and he holds him up and says, God, here's the miracle boy. God said, nah, that's your son. That's your plan. That's the well you dug. I got a baby over here, if you just could have waited, whose name is Isaac, and he's coming next year. How many times do we get ahead of God? We figure out our own plan to meet our needs and ask God to bless the plan. God isn't going to do it. He is not a Santa Claus. God is not going to bless that relationship that you tried to force on God. God's not going to bless all those other plans that you've tried to make happen. Some of you right now are struggling with financial pressure in your life and the temptation is to cut corners, to be unscrupulous, to stop tithing, to cheat on your taxes, to do unethical business, and to get out of debt. You're building a well that isn't going to hold water. Some of you are struggling whether or not to stay in a relationship or not. One that God never ordained in the first place. And even though God has been very, very clear with how this thing should end up, you decided that you was going to get ahead of God. Now you want God to fix it. Some of you are under enormous emotional pressure. You don't turn to God. You reach for that bottle. Or you go to the medicine cabinet. I ain't always been saved. For the prescription medicine. See, some of y'all went somewhere else with that. And you're digging a well that's not going to hold any water. It's a quick fix. It doesn't solve the problem. So what's the antidote? If you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. This is a test. God's going to see when you're under stress. Are you going to turn to him or are you going to turn to other things? It's a test. Will you trust him? But the pressure test is the first test. There's a second test. And this one may be the worst test. It's the people test. Just keep looking at me right now. Don't look at nobody. Just keep looking at me. God, pastor, sis, often uses people in your life to test and stretch and develop your faith. 
Can I confess something? It's just me and you. I'm a much better Christian since I started pastoring the New Salem Church. I have found Jesus. Because church folk will make you find the Lord. I'm just talking to Pastor Winston. Here's the test. How will I handle disappointment? Life is often disappointing. Things don't turn out the way we plan them. Careers don't turn out the way we plan them. Marriages don't turn out the way we plan them. Plans don't turn out the way we... The fact is life is disappointing a lot of the time. But the most disappointing thing in life are people. Why do we get disappointed by people in life? We get disappointed by people when you expect them to meet a need in your life that only God himself can meet. When you turn to a boyfriend or girlfriend or father or mother or husband or wife or friend and you expect them to meet all your needs, you're setting yourself up for massive disappointment. God never intended that for anybody. Nobody could possibly meet all your needs. Say that again, Pastor. Nobody can possibly meet all your needs. And when they let you down, what's wrong with you? The problem's not them. It's you. You put expectations on them that they could not possibly fulfill. It's a test. So many of us have thought in the past, if only I could get married when I would be fulfilled and satisfied. You need to talk to the folks who are married. If only my wife or my husband would change, then all my problems would be solved. If only my children were different, like the children next door, then I would be content. If I had just some different parents, life would be a whole... No! Your problem is not the people in your life. Your problem is your response to the people in your life. People are not the problem and not the answer to the problem either. The answer to our insecurity is not another person. The answer to our worries and our fears is not another person. The answer to our depression, our despair, our discouragement is not another person. The answer to our sense of failure is not another person. And the answer to our meaningless in life, our lack of purpose, our boredom, our deep dissatisfaction is not another person. There is but one answer, and that is God. When you expect other people to be your savior, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. The Bible says in Isaiah 2.22 You should stop trusting in people To save you Because people are only human Don't expect a person To be the answer to all your problems It's not going to happen If you're doing that You're going to set yourself up There's only one savior There's only one savior There's only one savior I'm not stuck Sometimes you have to repeat stuff For folks to get it There's only one savior Stop expecting anyone Or anybody else To be your Jesus Jeremiah come in And help me 17.7 Blessed are those Who trust in the Lord And have made him Their hope and confidence What happens if you do this Look at God's promise In Isaiah 49.23 Anyone who trusted me will not be disappointed. You missed your shout. Anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. 
Do you know why we're disappointed? Because we're trusting in things besides God. You thought this experience will make me happy, and it didn't, so you're disappointed. Then you thought this person in my life will meet my needs, so now you're disappointed. Or you thought if I could just achieve this level of success and achievement, then I'll be happy and satisfied, and it didn't make you happy, and you're not satisfied. You're disappointed. The person, the event, this thing, if I just buy this car or buy this outfit, ladies and gentlemen, things and people cannot keep you from being disappointed. Here's the challenge. It's a test. It's the people test. Are you going to handle disappointment by complaining and griping and crying and grieving and worrying? You know, sometimes you just see folk coming. And your mood changes. Because you know you're about to get 15 minutes you just see them coming. Just, just like, oh, God, no, not today. I got my own stuff. Now, I know pastor doesn't have that challenge. But I, I, I got a few of them. And, and I have to pray extra strong between the time I see them and the time they get to me. Lord, let me be pastoral. Please, Lord, not let me tell them what I really think right now. You know, I still, you got some work still to do with me. Are you going to accept that God knows what's best? that God has a loving plan for your life, that God loves you and knows what you need more than you do, that God is actually in control, and that even the disappointments in your life have a positive purpose, whether you understand it or not. It's a test. Are you going to trust God with things that disappoint your life? The Bible says this. Anyone, yes, that's you who trust in me will not be disappointed. Well, okay, we got to go. Uh, I got grandkids waiting for, for dinner, so we got to hurry up and get back home. Here comes the third, third, third test. It's called the persistence test. Persistence test. Will I keep my commitments? Just, just tell the person that's you. He's getting real close. He's getting real close. Life is about making commitments. Our life is shaped by your commitments. Your character is developed by your commitments. Your, ex your eternal destiny is determined by your commitments. So you better choose what you're committed to very carefully. Heaven and hell are in the balance. You become whatever you're committed to. Don't run past that. You become whatever you're committed to. You become whatever you're committed to. The problem we have today is that most people are half committed to two dozen things instead of being totally committed to the one or two things in life that really matter for now and eternity. If you're going to develop any skill or any maturity, for that matter, you've got to learn to make and keep commitments. Let, let's say you want to learn a musical instrument. Now, now I, I don't play, I don't sing, I don't do anything. Sam, y'all just blessed to have all that with your pastor, praise the Lord. I can't do none of that. I took music lessons for a long time, still can't play. Playing the piano is not automatic. You don't just sit down and instantaneously, you get it. You, you learn to play any instrument or develop any skill. It takes practice and more practice and more practice, which takes persistence, which takes discipline, which requires commitment. The hallmark of emotional and spiritual maturity is you make and you keep wise commitments. The uncommitted person, there's a word for Immaturity shows itself in the inability to make and keep commitments. 
if it's always all about you, you're going to be left to you. Some of you need to understand that no commitment that really matters is easy. Commitments are hard. They're all hard if they're important. So you can expect your commitment will be tested. Some of you are in committed tests right now. Your marriage vows are being tested. Is it really going to be till death do us part? I made a vow in front of people and before God. And am I going to keep that or am I going to walk? Some of you are having personal integrity tested right now. I know it's the right thing to do, but I'm going to do the easy thing or the convenient thing or the popular thing, the thing that everybody wants me to do. It's a test. It's a test of your character. Ecclesiastes, come in and help me. Five, four. If you make a promise to God, don't be slow to keep it. God is not happy with fools, so give God what you promised. You know, this Bible is a fairly good book. What commitments have you made to God that you failed to follow through on? Read your Bible every day, tie, join the church, get involved, find the ministry, share your neighbors with Christ. What, what commitment haven't you followed through on? Ecclesiastes 8.5 comes back and says, the wise man will find a time and a way to do what he says. Hmm. The wise person figures out a way to keep his or her commitments. The weak person makes excuses. I, I made that commitment, but I'm going to blow it off. I, I made that commitment back then, but, but I, I'm not going to follow through on that one. I, I didn't really mean it. You know, the times and circumstances have changed. Weak people give excuses. Wise people find the time and the way to do what they said they would do. Do you want a weak person or do you want to be a wise person? This is a test. It's the kind of test of character you're going to have to develop. The major challenge with our society today is people don't keep commitments. Which takes us to the fourth and final test. Go on, start the car, man. I ain't going to be much longer. It's the priorities test. Pastor, this may be the most important one. You're going to have to deal with this priorities thing over and over again. Here's the priorities test. It's a simple question. Who will be first in my life? Let me set this up pastorally. When you pastor God's people, there are a lot of people pulling at you. A lot of people pull on you. A lot of unrealistic expectations. Folk expect stuff from you that they don't expect from other folks. They don't expect it from themselves. About 18 years ago in the New Salem Church, I had to make a shift to what my priorities were. I said to you early on, I'm a father of five. Three girls, two boys. Pastor Winston, when I began to realize there was a disconnect between my fathering and my pastoring. And the one thing I knew that if anything happened to me, it was going to be my children who either picked the nursing home or the burial site. So I needed to show that thing up. Don't look at me crazy. It's the same thing with you. You need to treat your kids right else you won't get a window at the nursing home. Yeah. I'm just trying to help some of y'all. Yeah. 
You keep fooling with them other folk. And if your kids want to, make sure you're tight with your grandkids. The priorities test. And I had gotten busy. It's doing stuff for the convention, doing stuff for everybody else. By the time I was getting home, I was no good to anybody. My tired was tired. Matter of fact, I bought a car that would drive itself home so I could sleep on the way home. Then I had to come to grips with. I was becoming the very thing I said I wasn't going to become. So I took some days away and went away. I had to really have a soul-searching conversation with myself. And God said to me, your priorities are out of whack. You've made them more important than them. Guilty. I, I was so wrapped up in New Salem's image and success and all the stuff it was getting accolade for and all the stuff for, that I had forgot that my first priority in my first sanctuary wasn't on Cleveland Avenue. It was on Crossing Creek North. And so I had to take some time get realigned so here's my formula God first let me be real clear next is Mrs. Troy I established a rule in Troy household I don't, I don't know if it worked for you but it worked for me I said to my children when I came back I need y'all to understand something in this house as long as I'm here your mother is always right in this house now of course they looking at me like some of y'all looking at me why did I say that because they gonna grow up and leave me and they gonna leave me with the person that, that I didn't make a priority and so after they gone it gonna be me and the non-priority in the house and, and they said well daddy what about ain't no what about nothing y'all gonna leave me some man gonna come along, sweet talk my daughters, and they be gone. My boys just gonna leave a nappy head. They gonna find some girl they gonna fall in love with and be gone. It's gonna be me, her, and the two dogs. So in this house, your mother is never wrong. Now, what did that mean? She was never wrong in front of them. Now, we would have some quiet conversations behind the scenes. Because you wasn't gonna make me think that I'm gonna choose y'all over your mother. Because the honesty is, their mother is the only person that's ever been related to me that I chose. I didn't choose my mama and daddy. I didn't choose my brothers. I didn't choose none of my siblings. I didn't even choose my kids. I just went there and they told me they were mine. And we brought them home. And I've been raising them ever since. But her? Her? I chose her. I'm trying to help some brother right now. I'm making a mistake. Then I said, my children were next. So I had to develop a Friday night where each one of them got to pick that night what they wanted to do. I was no longer available to anybody from the church. And Monday became Mrs. Troy's day. And do you know, remarkably, how the church adjusted? They adjusted. They found out they could make it without me on Mondays. That they had their own Friday nights. And then came the church. God did not make me pastor to tear up my house. 
And so priorities is a test. Yes, I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a, a, a good servant. But I want to be a great husband and a great father first. I don't want my kids sitting in church looking like, mm, he say this there, but that ain't how he acted home. I've seen too much of that. And, and, and so I don't care who you are, get your priorities straight. There's nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ and God. And that ought to be carried out so that your family knows that God comes first. My kids never got a choice about whether or not they was going to church. But they don't feel like it. Well, okay, let them be sick. We got a nurse station. Well, if you sick on Sunday, that must mean you couldn't go out Saturday night. And you can't be getting ready to go to homecoming on Friday because your sickness going to last all week. Now let's do this and make it right because Sunday is no longer Sunday. Church is something we fit in on our way to do something else. And God keeps saying to you and me, I won't be a fit in God. I won't be an oh by the way God. We've raised a generation that wants a drop in service. I, I'm not against any other thing whether you sorority fraternity none of that stuff may i'm not against any of that i'm just more for god than i am for anything else now do your thing there enjoy yourself but if you read what they're based on they're based upon christian principles how can you be a better fraternity member than christian somebody help me you know i'm slow i went to public school God says, I've listed priorities. So in this celebration, as much as you say you love him and his family, loving what it says is what it does. And you've got to free him up. He's got additional responsibilities. We're president of the convention. I know that. My father was. I used to drive that all over the state. I know to draw that. Pray for him even more. But carve out, make sure he gets the time. Because now, them five kids, all grown and gone. The oldest is 42 and the youngest is 30 something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they, they all grown and gone. And before you know it, it's over. And you don't get to make up what you've lost. But because I made that shift, bro, every Sunday, about 2.30 on Sunday, the doorbell rings. And every one of my children who are in Columbus, Ohio, come for Sunday dinner. And they bring not only them, but the great joy of my life, the grandkids. And, and, and to be honest with you, my father was right. You should have grandkids first. I ain't figured that out yet, but any grandparent in here know I'm right. You all say, show you're right, amen, praise the Lord. You know, in terms of, you should have grandkids first. Grandkids going to take care of you. They love you. Kids just come by and take stuff. And, but my joy is this, man. I was about to mess up for success. 
and blow it for significance. Because in this life, you talk about a transformational gospel. If it don't start at your house, then what good is it? And when folks see how it transforms your family, they'll want it for their family. And so, my brother, you have my backing for whatever you need me for. This is the first time I've been out of my pulpit in 18 months. Some other folks could have made that call and we'd have been busy. I've gotten used to church being done at 12 o'clock on Sunday because we tape on Wednesday. I had church on Wednesday, I, you know. But I'm saying to you with everything I can, man, it's a test. But you're equipped. My goodness, you're equipped. And because you're equipped, you're going to be a blessing to your family and this family. And for that, we praise God. Amen, amen. Let's thank God for the word that he gave Pastor Troy. And let's thank Pastor Troy for being obedient and delivering it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And I've got some good news for you. If you're here and you haven't not yet um, taken the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that now. Amen. Bible says confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord or believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Well, we have one today. I was praying this morning that someone would be touched today in their heart and choose Jesus as their Savior. God said he'd be coming back. He didn't tell us which day or which time. Amen. So we don't want to wait. If we have not yet made that choice, we don't want to wait. The second call is you probably already is that you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But and you believe God raised him from the dead. But you feel that God has called you to this place to be a part of the Mount Calvary family. If that's so you can come now. So we're all saved. We all know where we're going. Amen. Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen.
from the table, stood behind the table, served from the table. One Wednesday, while standing there, something happened to me that changed my whole thought process about why this is important. I literally stood there and I looked at this table that was set and I began to cry because when I look at the table if nothing else should happen to you when you come to the table virtual it ought to cause you to rejoice if you don't rejoice about anything you at least ought to rejoice about what he's done no, no. I said, if you don't rejoice about anything, you ought to rejoice about what he's done. No. If you don't rejoice about anything, you ought to rejoice about what he's done. That's why the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord. Say so. We remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. And he did it for us. He did it for you let's pray father we bless you today we magnify you we exalt you we come now God just to say thank you God thank you for loving us enough to send your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins God we thank you that not only did Jesus die but we thank you that he rose on the third day with all power in his hand he gave us the power of the Holy Ghost that we might endeavor to live in a way that pleases you in everything that we do. But it didn't stop there so that we wouldn't have to walk this walk alone. He allowed us to be connected to a body of believers that's called the church. God, I thank you for every church that's opened in your name. I thank you for everyone that you called to preach, teach, lead, and live according to your gospel. You be magnified and glorified in the church. God, as we come together as a family, God, we thank you for the Mount Calvary nation as a whole, God. God, thank you for how you have blessed us. Thank you for how you have kept us. Thank you for how you have watched over us. Thank you for how you have provided for us. To, to you belongs all the glory, honor, and the praise. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for elect Lady Chanel. Thank you for their family. And God, we just ask now that you would allow us to follow the leadership that you have given. Continue to follow the leadership that you have given. That you can be glorified, God. That you can be exalted. God, not for anything, not for any fame or fortune. But God, so that the kingdom of God might be glorified. God, you be glorified. God, we thank you that we know that there's power in your name. <laughs> and so as we pray, if there are any that are sick among us, we thank you to know that by your son Jesus' stripes, we've been healed. We thank you that whatever problem we have, whatever situation that we have, if we would just make you our priority, if we would put you first, everything else will fall into place. How we love you, how we magnify you, how we exalt you, Satan, we want to put you on notice today that you are defeated. We are victorious 
because Jesus was born he lived he died he was buried but most of all on the third day he rose with all power in his hands and every believing heart said amen when Jesus instituted the supper in the upper room is there anyone that does not have that does not have communion if you would just if you would just raise your hand same manner he took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament of my blood drink ye all of it and remember some me let's all remember the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary's cross as we drink together here is some great news the blood will never never ever ever never ever ever lose it's power. Put your hands together. Let's bless the name of Jesus. Just before we receive, Pastor, uh, Deacon Sandifer is going to come with a special presentation. privilege and my honor uh, to stand here to represent the Mount Calvary Nation. 
you know, uh, I wasn't for sure what I was going to say, you know, because I know this has been 17 years. And 17, and it's, um, it's not 10 years, it's not 15, it's not 20, you know. And I don't know if in the Bible 17 means anything. But I was looking through and I was trying to find a scripture that would fit, and nothing fits 17 years. But I happened to, in uh, my Bible has a commentary, and it talked about Joseph. It says, who is Joseph? And I'm thinking, okay, Joseph, Joseph. Joseph, yeah, he was, you know, went to Egypt. And, but it said, no, that wasn't the Joseph that he was talking about. He was talking about Joseph, um, husband of Mary. You know, and it said that God trusted him enough to put his son into his family. You know, and what I, what I thought about was that God trusts you enough to put us into this family. You know, and throughout this, this year, throughout last year, there are things that you have said to us, things that you have shared with us, you know, um, that has that ripple effect. You know, you say it now, you may not see it, but it's going to ripple down in the years. It's going to ripple with, with my kids, with their kids, with their grandkids, and keep on making that ripple. You said to us, we are the church. I talk to people now, and they said, well, I'm not there. I said, but you are the church. You know, thank you for all that you've done. You know, we appreciate you. We appreciate you, Lady Chanel, you know, for being there, for sharing him with us and for you sharing them with us. And as, as the lead deacon okay, of Mount Calvary, I would just like to give you a token of our appreciation for all that you've done for Mount Calvary Nation. Thank you. Lady C, you know we love you. And I know that everyone has seen your love shared to all of us, the Mount Calvary family. We know you love your family, and you know you love your Mount Calvary family. And on behalf of this church and loving body, we present you these flowers as a token of our appreciation. We all do me a favor. Why will you all stand? Let's receive. Let's receive our pastor and the leg lady Chanel Winston. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's bless God. Let's bless God for them. Let's bless God for them. church so much that he gave his life. God bless you, Mount Calvary. Y'all can be seated. 
It is such a blessing to see you fa your faces. I'm normally not able to see you. You guys look so beautiful, and I miss you guys. But I just want to thank you. It's been a rough year, but God has been good. He has brought us through. He brought us here today. God has been good. Um, I'm going to save a lot of what I got to say for like Lady Day, but I love you, Mount Calvary. You guys make me so proud. I love the way you love on my husband and how... Um, Pastor Troy, thank you so much for that word. But I, I, I remember from day one, my husband just, sorry, just doing an amazing job of making sure, he made sure from the very beginning, he said to me, he said, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And I know what it feels like. So every game my children have, everything, any, anything, I appreciate that he has honored that commitment to God and to us. And I'm so grateful that Mount Calvary, you give him that space to do that and I appreciate you I thank you to my children for being just amazing um, and allowing us to to, to kind of live life um, as as a family like this ministry is we're in this together but not losing losing faith of how we we are a unit and together and they're growing they're just beautiful and I'm so proud of them um, and I'm also grateful for my extended family here who just been so supportive throughout the years. So thank you all. Thank you, honey, for just being who you are. This man is amazing. I tell everybody, I wasn't just attracted to him for his, his dashing looks. It's his integrity and wisdom. His integrity and wisdom. So thank you all. I love you. Y'all be blessed. Thank you, Lady C. We are not, uh, we're not used to being in church this long anymore. And, uh, and so if you'll allow a simple thank you to suffice for now, then I will, uh, I'll say more next week. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Troy, for being here. Um, and, and again, I will, I will say all the thank yous um, next week. Um, so come back because I got a lot I want to say to you. Um, yeah, I think so. So I got to say it real quick so I can get it out without blubbering, and I'm going to give it to Brother Percy, all right? Now, remember I said I'm going to say thank you next week. All right. So I've only had in, uh, in the 45 years that I have been alive, I've only had one pastor and only wanted one, and, uh, and he rests with Jesus. And for six years, I haven't had a pastor. But I need one, and I found him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on, y'all. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now it's that fun time for offering. So you can do Givelify. The deacons will have, will be at the back door uh, to take your offering. Amen. Uh, Cash app. I would tell you what it is. But the screen, oh, is it behind me? Okay, y'all know what it is then. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, stay seated until the officers dismiss you. I think I've said it all. Pastor Troy, would you come and dismiss us? Um, get a mic for you. Is that mic clean? Let's thank Pastor Troy again for that wonderful sermon. Let's stand. I am certainly humbled by your pastor's request. And as I said, being a preacher's kid, I know what that means. My brothers and I are blessed. Both our parents are still living. At the ripe old age of 96. And we're grateful to God for every day. Because we don't take that for granted. But I know one day we're coming to the day you're already there. So we pray his strength and your strength as well. God, thank you for humbling experiences. Thank you for reminding us it's just a test. But God, according to our faith, there are blessings. Bless this family, bless this house, bless these people. We ask it all now in your son's name. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate God today.